today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Uh, interesting study uh, that we're going to talk about over the next couple of minutes here. Uh, Canadians are apparently feeling much better about the institutions uh, in this country than they did a few years ago, according to a new report, uh, putting into question whether the vote-driven down-with-the-elite-style populism would be a factor in uh, this year's federal election, which, of course, is coming up in October. Uh, and according to this report, uh, the appetite for populism among Canadians seems to be on the decline, except among some politicians. <laughs> Who would have thought that, right? Joining us to talk about the report is uh, Dr. Michael Morden, uh, Research Director for Samaritan Canada, who uh, instituted the uh, the report and issued it as well. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Hi, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. Are you surprised by the results here? Because uh, all, all we seem to hear about is is this uh, elitism and, you know, I'm not one of you. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, it, it's, it's, we're inundated with this stuff right now, but apparently Canadians aren't buying it as much as they used to. Yeah, we are a little surprised, uh, frankly. Uh, you know, we, this narrative is so deeply entrenched now uh, that it's hard to escape. But, you know, for, as a result, we sort of thought it was a good time to look for some empirical basis. And and, and I, I should say that Canadians aren't very happy about our politics, and they do feel disconnected from politicians. And, you know, that part isn't uh, surprising. It's sort of what you'd anticipate. Um, but when you put our findings in their historical context, uh, what you find is that uh, we're not moving in a more populist direction, and actually the reverse is happening. So, for example, 60% of Canadians think that the government doesn't care what people like them think, which, on its face, I mean, that's a really high number. I, you know, that's a, that's a big problem. Uh, but it was 85% in the mid-'90s, and we found some other indicators, too, that it sort of peaked in the 90s and, and have started to come down a little bit. So, uh, so funnily enough, uh, we're becoming more positive towards politics than we've been in the not-too-distant past. You know, I was trying to go back in my mind as I was reading the report today, and I thought, why were we so upset back in the 1990s? You know, boy, we were pretty ticked off. Yeah, I mean, that's a funny thing. We didn't have the same language then, but I think you could regard that time as as a big populist moment. I mean, debt was public debt was very high. Uh, there was all kinds, kinds of constitutional uh, game playing that didn't go anywhere, made people very angry, and you saw the you know, the Mulroney-Campbell uh, conservatives were reduced to two seats from a majority government. You had the Reform Party suddenly on the scene, the Bloc Québécois. So there's actually a lot there. And when you sort of look back on it and sort of think, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not that Canada is immune to populism, but maybe we kind of already had a bit of a populist moment, even if we didn't think of it in those terms. Yeah, there was some unrest, obviously. There were Quebec referendums. Uh, there was uh, the, obviously the energy plan in Alberta, and there's speculation about whether they wanted to stay or in confederation yeah. or not. It was a rather tumultuous time. So is, is that when we just kind of throw our hands up and say, these guys just don't listen to us? Yeah, it seems uh, that seemed to be uh, the dynamic. And I don't think there's been anything that has really dramatically won back the approval of Canadians. But over time, we've just sort of um, some of those feelings have just sort of settled a little bit and, and returned to uh, to more to more banal levels. Again, I, we still think it's a it's a big problem if, if for example, sixty five percent of Canadians think that uh, parliamentarians lose touch with the people. Um, it's just that we can't say that that's a larger number than it's been, or it's getting bigger. It, we ask a series of questions on an ongoing basis. Stuff like if Canadians are satisfied with how their democracy works, if they trust MPs, if they trust parties. And, and across the board in the last five years, on, on our indicators of political discontent, we've seen modest improvement. 
how did we get to this point where, and I'm not going to suggest that we're all gullible, but I mean, we seem to buy into this thing that, that you know, the, the other guys, the bad guys, and it depends on who's talking to us, because and, and, this doesn't, any nobody, political party here, nobody has a, 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 the, the corner on this. I mean, they all seem That's to right. do it. They all seem to say, look at, you know, I'm one of you. These guys here, they're out of touch. They have no idea what you're doing. And, and, right. and we buy this, and, and, you know, that I'm just an ordinary guy. And, and the guy in the White House got elected saying that sort of stuff, and he's, he's not an ordinary guy by any stretch of the imagination, but a whole lot of people bought into it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I know every politician just rolled out of a plaid shirt. And uh, so, you know, are Canadians buying it, or do they just have no real choice since, like you said, that, that language, that discourse is kind of spread across the political spectrum? Uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure. The, the funny thing is this disconnect that we observe between politicians and, and ordinary Canadians in that we were able to quantify the fact that politicians are compl- using that language, complaining about elites, for example, much, much more commonly than they were in the recent past, uh, which has caused us to, to wonder if populism in Canada is more of a, a top-down than a bottom-up phenomenon. Uh, and I think when politicians make recourse to that language, they often justify it by saying that they're listening to the people and trying to reflect what the people are saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not sure that that's the case. It seems more to be the case that politicians up here are watching these strong populist appeals uh, in, in other places, stateside, in the UK and Europe, and, and seeing politicians having some success with them, and then are sort of importing that language and, and trying to apply it here rather than actually listening to Canadians. Well, we saw that with the uh, provincial election here in Ontario just a few months ago too. That that same sort of attitude about uh, you know I'm I'm one of you guys and uh, and again a guy who's you know uh, well he's an elitist I mean, he he is but I mean he, that's not how he he characterizes himself and people just say I don't care what what the reality is that's what he's saying and that's what I want to buy into isn't this the old idea though Michael of people telling us what we want to hear not what we need to hear. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. And and so with an election coming up, we wanted to put this out to kind of push back on the narrative a little bit and also issue a challenge in the first place to politicians who, you know, see this kind of appeal as as effective, uh, whether or not it is. And, And, I mean, we've observed for years that politicians feel the need to kind of denigrate the whole undertaking of politics and always present themselves as somehow, you know, apart from it or removed from it. Uh, when the reality is, and as radical as this sounds, I really do think that most people go into politics because they think they can do some some good and they can render a public service. Uh, we need to hear more of that at the same time that politicians should be talking about what they're going to do to make politics uh, more amenable. Uh, and at the same time, I think Canadians just need to be a little bit uh, critical in how we consume uh, in politics uh, as the election cycle starts to get underway. And and we should be looking for real, serious, concrete, substantive commitments from politicians about how to make uh, democracy work better and how to make sure that the will of the people is reflected in their government. Uh, we need, you know, we we need some thoughtfulness there, and we need that rather than more of the same of this fairly empty artificial rhetoric. But aren't politicians that do that sort of thing playing with fire? I mean, to, you know, if you say, look at those guys are all crooks, uh, those guys up in Ottawa, those guys at Queens Park or wherever, you know, the, the seat of government happens to be. But I'm not one of them. I'm I'm different. I'm 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 the, I'm the good guy. I'm the clean guy. But but I mean, if yeah. you're a politician, then you're going to get looped into that, aren't you? I mean, they're, they're, yeah. the politicians are probably the the worst ones for denigrating their own profession. That's right. I, I absolutely agree. And you get locked into this kind of cycle, right? And, and the problem is, 
uh, yeah, if, if we continue to hear from our politicians that our politics uh, is crooked or rigged and that other politicians can't be trusted and that our institutions can't be trusted, at some point we might actually start believing them. Uh, so, you know, that kind of discourse, I think it just feeds into, it, it actually creates political discontent where it, it doesn't necessarily exist. Um, and and uh, we've seen this internationally where you have populist politicians trying to drum up anger uh, and then, and then that anger sort of produces more populism, uh, and and populist governments have, on balance, tended to be bad for democracy. So that further fuels discontent, and you get into locked into these cycles of profound cynicism and alienation, which make healthy democratic politics really hard, if not impossible. If if it's on the decline here, as your numbers indicate. Uh, is, is it because we've watched uh, th- these populists in the past? Uh, some of them maybe initially succeed, but in the long term, uh, we seem to be worse off with them. And I think Brexit's a probably a classic example of that, uh, with uh, the number of people that were pushing for Brexit and find you know everything's going to be fine. Vote you know let's leave the EU. Everything's and and it, this has been their worst nightmare ever since then. Uh, we've seen the similar thing happening in the United States. Now, I know they're a year away from their election, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, the reality here is that uh, even though the numbers say that the economy in the United States is doing quite well, uh, and the average individual that we talk to or that we see on some of the news shows say, hey, it's not happening to me. So mm-hmm. there's a, I think that's one of the parts of the cynicism, that, hey, maybe maybe we got sucked into this and maybe we're not going that way again. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I hope that's true. I hope Canadians are, are carefully watching what's happening in other places because the international record is pretty clear. Even if you just get, a, if you get away from just Brexit and Trump and look at uh, what might be characterized as populist governments and administrations over the last, say, 50 years, they have not been, on balance, good for democracy. They've been more likely than non-populist governments to, to harm democratic institutions because uh, they're offering a very simple solution, which is basically, trust me, right? Don't, you know, don't trust institutions, trust me, Only I alone can fix it. Uh, when what we need are fairly complex and nuanced ones, which is to actually get into the institutions and into the systems and, and figure out what isn't working for ordinary Canadians, uh, ordinary people uh, everywhere. So uh, I'd like to think Canadians are, are, are critically consuming international news, and, and that's reflecting, uh, reflecting back on their, you know, on what they want from, for our country. Well, it's, it's it's hard to to not do that. I mean, we're inundated with it from all just about all sides, aren't we? No, that's true. Yeah. From media, <laughs> social media, all over the place. I mean, it's there, and opinions are coming at us left, right, and center at the same time. Yeah, that's true. And and, and I mean, there's a negative side to that too, which is I think you know part of the reason where we the chattering classes are ready to accept this this populism narrative is just because we we see it elsewhere and and are are, are maybe too quick to just import that narrative and apply it here. One of the concerns, though, and I'm glad you talked about this, is is those institutions themselves, because it seems to, as if those that, that rise on this this wave of populism, or did rise on that wave of populism, uh, don't just denigrate other politicians, they also denigrate those institutions. And, and we see that, obviously, in the states these days. You know, yeah. you've got a guy in the White House that's saying, don't trust the FBI, don't trust this, don't trust that, don't trust the, uh, the House of Representatives. In, in other words, anybody who opposes him or has a contrary point of view is apparently a, an enemy of the state. And, and uh, sadly, there's some people that seem to buy into that. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty dangerous road they're going down. It's a danger. I mean, that is exactly the danger in populism. And you can you, you can keep redefining who the elites are in order to delegitimize who, whomever is going to stand in your way. So elites are economic elites, 
when that's useful or elites can mean journalists, right? When journalists are asking tough questions, they become the enemy of the people. Uh, the whole point of undermining trust in institutions is really to sweep away checks and balances on power and, and to consolidate power. Uh, that's why, you know, that's why populists discourage citizens from looking to those institutions because mm-hmm. those institutions are in effect in their way. Uh, and that's the, yeah, so I think you've, you've pinpointed the danger exactly. Well, and that's where the, the, the whole idiotic phrase of fake news was born from. Fake news is by definition news that contradicts the statements and the, and the beliefs that, that he's trying to purport right now. So all of a sudden you have to brand it as fake, as something that's not real. And, uh, and, and that, I guess, legitimizes your point of view and, and, and your stand on issues. That's right. Yeah, that's all, I think it's all of a piece. So, so where do we go from here? I mean, we're going to have an election in just a few months in this country right now. Uh, we seem to be a little more trustful of politicians, not so sure that they, they've earned it as much as maybe we're giving, no. but in situations like this. But what are we looking for now? Uh, and I don't mean from political party, but what kind of an attitude, what kind of a presentation are we looking from our elected officials these days? We seem to be much more discerning than we were in the past. Yeah, and I think, I would, I would, I think you're absolutely right, and I think politicians should recognize that. Canadians are up for a substantive conversation. Uh, if you look at you know what media Canadians are consuming, for example, I just you know just learned yesterday that there's a tremendous appetite for uh, newspaper websites are finding a tremendous appetite at appetite for so actually you know fairly sophisticated sort of policy based discussions and and uh, explainers and that kind of thing. So there's actually an unrequited appetite for a more serious sober, substantive kind of politics. And I'm afraid that's not what we're going to get from any party uh, in this upcoming election. So, uh, you know, I, I, hope, I hope politicians are able to kind of uh, keep some emotion in check and recognize that Canadians are looking for something a little bit more concrete than that, and we could actually have a sophisticated conversation. Uh, is that going to happen? <laughs> you know, t- time will tell. And we've already seen that even though... Structurally and fundamentally, Canadians are reasonably satisfied. Satisfaction has already dropped this year as a consequence of the SNC-Lavalin story. And so uh, it should be noted that this stuff is fragile and there's no guarantee that we won't uh, screw it up. Well, that would be great to see uh, because, uh, and again, to go back to the, the rise of those who, who try to use populism as, as their tool, as their vehicle, uh, they're usually short on details. Uh, there's very little discussion, very little debate about, as you say, about policies. It's more bombast than anything else. Yeah, it's easier to uh, make recourse to that, that very simple, zero-sum um, kind of well, you know, well-worn, shop-worn language than it is to really offer solutions for ordinary people. And, and fundamentally, that's the problem. Well, and, and that's why you all of a sudden they revert to slogans. You know, let's, yes. two or three slogans. Repeat the slogan. Repeat the slogan. Well, how are you going to do that? No, it doesn't matter. You know, lower taxes, whatever it is. I mean, uh, make America great again. Uh, any, any number of things. I mean, these, these are the ones that seem to resonate with people. Uh, are we less uh, or maybe even more immune to it up in this in part of the country than, than maybe our, our southern neighbors? I don't want to be unfair to our southern neighbors. Um, I think... Yeah, I'm kind of inclined to believe maybe maybe that we are, and that that's been reflected. I mean, there's no question that the character of our politics is different here, and there's some some deep historical antecedents causes for that. Uh, so let's let's not squander the fact that you know we have a, a public that's I think uh, relatively mature in a lot of ways and doesn't always get treated that way. 
Yeah, and and the, the biggest problem we can have here is if we just look down down our noses and say, hey, we're better than them, uh, because we're, yep, we're obviously sure. some of the stuff that we've seen here in the last couple of years proves that yeah, we can be uh, obviously victimized by this whole same wave that we've seen in other parts of the world. Yeah, that's that's a really important point, and 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 we've got lots of our own problems too. And you know, nothing in our research is ever to suggest that that isn't the case. In fact, I, I mean, I really truly believe that there's lots about our politics to be discontented about. Uh, and, you know, it's simply a caution not to readily and uncritically assume that uh, whatever's happening down there is also happening up here. We're telling our own story, you know, for better and worse. Is that part of the Canadian psyche? I mean, we get ticked off at politicians. You know, they promise this, they don't do this, and we get angry for about a day, <laughs> a week, yeah. and then we seem to move on. Yeah, there's something to that. I mean, we do like, I mean, you know, I, I, it also seems like it's a bit of a dynamic value and that sometimes governments sort of reach their expiration date and, and suddenly all it all starts to stick. But there does seem to be a funny, almost kind of, kind of cyclical quality to that. Interesting study. Fabulous and, and it's very insightful, too. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for the time. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Oh, it's always great. Thanks so much for the chat, Bill. Take care. That's uh, Dr. Michael Morton, Research Director for Senator Canada. Uh, you can go to their webpage if you want to get a copy of the report, by the way, and uh, get an idea as to just what we're thinking. And, and pretty important stuff, obviously. Like I say, with an election coming up in October, uh, what are we going to be looking for from our politicians, and, and, and how are they going to come after us uh, looking for our support in situations like this? Uh, do you fall for slogans, or do you want some more substance? Uh, that's going to be, I think, a key part of what's going to happen, and maybe even a key part in determining who's going to win this thing in October. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.